Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the 7500 to Hope podcast, where on this occasion I will be joined by Danny from the AFC podcast, looking forward to this weekend's early fixture against Arsenal. Without further ado, let's get into it. And I am here with Danny. How are you? I'm good, mate. Thanks. How are you? I'm I'm doing well, thank you. Um, Looking at Arsenal's overview, they're currently sat in fourth place on 51 points. Looking at it, they've got two games in hand on third place Chelsea, who are sat on 59 points. And then you're one point ahead of fifth place United with three games in hand. If you'd have taken that at the start of the season, if you offered that at the start of the season, would you have taken it? I was talking about this on a podcast last night. I don't remember the last time the Premier League said, look, would you take this and we'll just cancel the season? <laughs> it's like the fabled been thrown under the bus. Don't You don't get people thrown under the bus. So I always say no to that because I, I wouldn't want the season to be cancelled on the first week of the season. So no, but it's a good position to be in. We are officially games in hand FC, but unlike our noisy Ram neighbours, we are winning our games in hand FC. And the, the, the teams we got the games in hand against Spurs, Chelsea, and I think it's Liverpool. So if we draw all of those, that would be good. If we win them, it would be even better. So it's, it's just about stopping them from getting points. So I'm happy with draws. and we, we, We've had a, a really good run at the moment. But if we, can win that, if we can win a couple of those or win one of them and draw the other two, then I think that's going to leave us in a brilliant position. It's losing that we can't do. One, we don't want to ever want to lose to Spurs, no matter what position they're in, even if they're in the conference and we're playing them in the FA Cup. But it's the, uh, it's the points we need so that we can make top four, well, maybe even top three. Because... Uh, yeah, Chelsea aren't very happy at the moment. So, yes, no, I wouldn't take it. Yeah, it's nice that you're looking up. Looking looking at your recent fixtures, you're on a current six-game unbeaten run in all competitions. Obviously, the time of filming, Arsenal are yet to play their game in hand, Liverpool, before this fixture against Aston Villa. Talking of Liverpool, they were your last defeat in all competitions in the Carabao Cup, I believe. And then looking at the league, your last defeat was to first place Man City to a to a last minute goal. So overall, your form in recent weeks has been has been nothing short of impeccable. Do you think that you could get something against Liverpool tonight? Are you confident? As an Arsenal fan, you have confidence beaten out of you. You are so used to the the latter end, the second half of the air uh, of the art. Uh, the Wenger era where I was listening to a podcast that we did in 2014 last night and all we did was moan and everything we pointed out ended up coming true. Uh, And so we're used to um, falling apart when we're playing the big teams, like you were saying with our current form, we've had five straight wins. We've had nine wins from 11 games, the Burnley game. I don't know how they managed to draw that. I think we had about 20, 30 shots 
um, at goal, not necessarily on target. And then we uh, the, the Man City game, we were winning that. And how many times this season has Pep come out and gone, uh, the better team lost? Because he's, that's what he said about us playing Man City. If we wouldn't, we were 1-0 up. And if it, we wouldn't have fallen apart, we went full Arsene Wenger at the end of that game, fell apart, conceded the game. And uh, yeah, we, we should have won that. And so logically, from a third, from a, a neutral point of view, you would say, well, Arsenal have got to be quite quite happy with this game, quite confident with this game. But no, no, we've had too many years of getting all the way there and then um, shit in the bed. So I fully expect us to lose tonight. Yeah, I mean... Looking at you, you're you're on a good run, certainly. Let's let's move it back a bit to the January transfer window. Obviously, a, a very quiet window in terms of in terms of Arsenal Football Club. Um, you had a lot of strikers linked, Isaac Vlahovic, obviously, both causing some rumours in the papers. But it ended up only being Matt Turner, the goalkeeper from the MLS, coming in. Were you were you disappointed at the lack of signings or were you satisfied with the new model of Arsenal, if you like, because it shows that they've identified targets and they're not going to panic by and they won't settle for anything less than what they truly believe will improve the team? Hmm. Yeah, we also bought, we agreed to buy Matt Turner. He's coming in the summer along with Ashton Trusty from Colorado Rapids, who is the team that are, uh, that Cronky owns that team. So he's now palming off his, his MLS players on us. So he might be a decent player. But I, I like the idea that you can't rebuild for next season until we are, know where we are next season. Uh, the last three years have been dominated at Arsenal by Emery and then Arteta doing their best to try and get rid of all the players that they didn't want. And so we don't know whether we're going to be... The calibre of players we're going to need for the Europa League next season is different from the calibre of players that we need for the Champions League next season. And, and so we saw early on in Arteta's reign, we went and bought players like Pablo Mari, who ended up costing us, I think, £6 million to loan for half a season, then £7 million to buy him, and then another million pounds for every 10 games or 20 games that he plays. So he's ended up costing us best part of £20 million, and we've now farmed him out on loan to Udinese. And that's an example of buying a player that you needed at the time and not planning for the future. And so I was very happy to have a massive clear out now and there's hardly any players at the club now. A lot of people give Cedric Suarez grief, but I think he's a really he is the 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 the, the Jules Grimandi, the Remy Guard of the day, where a player who's happy to be at the club like El Nenny and play in any position. So we managed to clear out all the players that we don't want, and then come the summer we can go big. Hopefully, I mean, last summer we spent 180 million. That was unreal. We were all thinking 100 million, and so if we've got Champions League football um, next season, next season then we're going to have £200 million to spend on players. If we've got, And then we know which ones to get the appropriate players because there'd be no point bringing in young players like we bought in uh, Nuno Tavares and we bought in Lokonga and they haven't really been playing much and they'd be perfect for the Europa League next season. That's how Saka, Martinelli and um, Smith-Rowe and some of those made their name over the last two years, two or three years in the Europa League. But depending on whether we're in the Champions League or the Europa League, so I think... It was, the, it was the exact right thing to do. Plus, you, the, all the players we got rid of, we now don't have to pay them a massive bonus. If we, I'd forgotten about it, but we had so many players' contracts. If, if they get us into the Champions League, they get like a half a million pound bonus. And most of those players have now gone. The ones like Young and 
and uh, whatever other ones have gone, but having a massive clear the, the whole time as an Arsenal fan, we referred to that fabled word of Deadwood. We want to get rid of all the Deadwood. We've finally done it. We've had a giant bonfire. They're all gone. We're ready for whatever brings um, us our way next season. I'm sure all Villa fans listening will be slowly recovering <laughs> from the mention of, of Remy Gard there. Obviously, he came in and brought us, yeah. got us relegated eventually. So, um, yeah, difficult to hear his name mentioned. Obviously, <laughs> completely different context for the two of us. You mentioned Arteta. He's he's done a slightly better job than Remy Gard did at Villa, you could say. <laughs> um, he's made a lot of people eat their words, really, in terms of... When people came in, there were a lot of doubts. Obviously, things weren't going well under Emery. They'd they'd struggled a bit like United did when Sir Alex left. A manager like Arsene Wenger leaving with the legacy that he did, it, it was almost the impossible job, if you like, coming in straight after him. And Arteta struggled seemingly from the outside in, in his first tenure, almost his first sort of season at the club ish but he 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 seems to have really turned it round recently he's he's almost got arsenal a new identity if you like and what i mean by saying that is since wenger left in the in the late years of wenger and under emery it almost seemed that like arsenal were the laughing stock of of the big clubs in the premier league if you like little clubs would go there smaller clubs who were probably battling down the bottom end of the Premier League were going to the Emirates and thinking yeah we can get a result here I think Troy Deeney mentioned it a while ago that Arsenal lacked cojones mm-hmm. um, you know you seem to be a bit of a pushover if you like I don't know whether that's a bit harsh but you know certainly this season although your first three games you were bottom of the league I think since then Arteta has really turned it round and you know, you look to be playing on the up and you look to have a certain style, bedding in your youngsters, playing good football and and picking up results. Do you think that his time under Pep Guardiola would have had some influence on that? Do you see some similarities between their style of play and how high do you think Arteta can reach with this Arsenal team? Yeah, I do see some similarities. We all saw last season when Pep decided to reinvent football in the Champions League final and go, striker? No, we don't need strikers. We'll play without a striker. Although that's working this season, it didn't work then. And they lost the Champions League final because he was being a moron. Arteta has done a lot of that, being a moron, doing stupid things. When he decided in the the, the Europa League semi-final, I think it was against Atletico Madrid, and he decided to try and reinvent football and we got knocked out. Uh, or was it Villarreal? We've, we've lost a, a couple of the, the recent um, semi-finals. There's one against the Spanish teams because we did fantastic in the uh, the games before that. I think it was it Napoli that we played, or oh, there was someone like that. My my knowledge of games that we have played, even this season, is horrendous. Transfers, I know them all going all the way back to the 80s. But someone can say the game that we played three weeks ago and I'll have no idea. For some reason, my brain doesn't let me remember. But uh, he, he sometimes wants that both of them, Pep and Arteta, think they're, they're too clever for their own good. They Sometimes you just need to go and uh, do what the players need. But Arteta has had to spin plates at Arsenal. He's had to spin the plate of the fact that he was 30, I think he was 37 or 38 when he came in and he had players at the club that were 31, 32 that are going, hold on a second, Arteta, you've done virtually nothing as a footballer, didn't play for your country. You won, I think you won the, the league and the league cup for when you were with, with Rangers. 
and with Arsenal, you uh, I think you won one FA Cup, maybe 2014 before retiring. And now you're telling us what to do. You're not exactly Zinedine Zidane, sweetheart. You uh, you haven't got a, a, an entire career of trophies. Now you're telling us what to do. And that's where the major rift was at the club. You had the young players that believed. And then you had the old players that were going, you're not telling me what to do. And so that was another plate he had to spin. Then he had another plate, which was getting rid of all the all the players they didn't want and then trying to bring in the new players that he did want. And then you've had the, the reputation of being Pep's cone man uh, and, and doing all that lot. But then now we've, we've here, some of the players, I think it was Raheem Sterling said that, um, that Arteta is one a really big influence on his career. And now he's doing the same thing we're seeing with Saka. I mean, how many times have you seen in Premier League football where you have uh, someone like Saka who every time they run down the wing, he turns his man inside out and cuts in and gets in the box? I mean, if you have a player that does that once or twice a game, you think, well, that is amazing. You have a player that does that 10, 15, 20 times a game. And so that's the the effect that uh, Arteta has had on the younger players. The um, hashtag trust the process and... A lot of the people at my podcast didn't trust the process and a load of people didn't. Now, I was quite apathetic about trusting the process. Um, when people said, do you want Arteta out? The only reason I said no is because I don't want to go through all the, get rid of all Arteta's players, get rid of all the coaches, cost the club a fortune. I said, we might as well just stick with him. The club's going nowhere. Man City and Newcastle and, and Chelsea and Man- and uh, Liverpool, they're just going to be running everything for the next few years because you can't compete with them. You go, oh, there's a player. We, we'll offer, Arsenal offer 50 million and 200 grand a week. And then that one of those clubs will go, oh, we'll give you 60 million and uh, 300 grand a week like with Joan Mata when he was coming to Chelsea, he'd agree to come to Arsenal. And so you take into all these things, and as a young manager, that's a lot of stuff to take on board. Plus the fact that Edu, his first ever job um, at Arsenal, apart from being a player, is to do that. And uh, people were giving him a grief, grief because he's always on the Instagram, smoking a cigar, got a glass of something cold with some ice in it and having a barbecue. And uh, you think, and he's having a holiday. You think, well, you go and do your job. But slowly they've been doing the job so I'm fully behind them but it's been really tough for Arteta yeah you mentioned doing the job and you mentioned how tough Arteta's had it if if we cast your mind back to the start of the season can you can you remember where you had Arsenal predicted to finish or where you would have preferred Arsenal to finish <laughs> because there was a debate on TalkSport not too long ago about whether Arsenal are quote overachieving because you know at the start of the season, I don't think many teams would have had Arsenal to be almost the favourites for the last Champions League spot. But here they are, you know, games in hand and, you know, playing some very good football, looking like if they don't finish in the top four this season, then there will have been a, a major upset in the last few games. So would you say they're underachieving? Because, you know, Arsenal is one of the most traditional biggest clubs in England there's there's no doubt about it and finishing in the Champions League spaces should be where they are the where they are competing and where they should be finishing so in terms of club stature from an outsider's point of view like mine I'd probably argue that no they're not overachieving but considering where they have been and where they've been playing the last few seasons to suddenly make that jump from, like you said, looking like they're going nowhere and almost mediocrity to suddenly getting a lot of teams to stand up and take notice and think, wow, Arsenal are, are really backfighting this season. Would, would you call it overachieving? Um, well, because I don't remember games, I've had to go back and look on whoscored.com. You look at our starting eleven 
for that game, opening game of the season against Brentford. If it wasn't for the fact that was on a Friday night and uh, we were the, that was the only game, the, the opening game of the, the season, that we would have had that called off because we had players out with COVID. You look at our starting eleven, Leno doesn't play anymore. Chambers, gone to you, he's the new Maldini. Um, Pablo Mari at centre-back, off to Udinese. Lacongri in midfield doesn't play. Martinelli had only just come back from being out for the best part of nine months. Pepe on the right wing doesn't play anymore. Balogun up front on load to Middlesbrough. And then we brought on Reese Nelson, who's now at Feyenoord. Um, Saka, brilliant. And Tavares doesn't play for us. So you look at most of that team, was was a patchwork team. And if we'd have had our best players, the team like we've got now, our team at the moment picks itself. The only question is whether Smith Rowe plays or Martinelli plays on the left. And that is the only debatable thing for us. So we've got 12 players and you know, those 12, 11 of those 12 are going to start every single game. So back at the beginning of the season, you're asking what my thoughts were. I did a tweet where I put the first 10 games of the season. I said, I think we're going to get five points. And there'll be one win and two draws and Arteta will be sacked within 10 games of the season. And so looking at the first, the start of the season, I was looking quite good. It looked almost looked like I knew what I was on about because we uh, we lost to Brentford, lost to Chelsea, and then we, we um, lost to Man City, beat Norwich by one goal, beat Burnley by one goal. And then it's just, you're thinking, yeah, this isn't going to get any better. And then you come to uh, just after Christmas and then all the magic started to work. And we think, oh, no, we've got five wins in a row here in all competitions. And then we went five games, five games in all competitions without a win. And you think, oh, we've done it again. And now we're back to five wins again. And so it's um, it's it's really weird to see it. But like you were saying, with the who's gonna um, the fall of Arsenal. Normally, like Spurs have gone Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League, no European football. And then when you come back again, you go back up that way. So Arsenal have gone a thousand years of Champions League football three years of Europa League, then nothing. So you think logically the next step from nothing, from eighth place, eighth, eighth place back-to-back seasons would be aimed to get the Europa League. That's what most Arsenal fans wanted. And my podcast did a preview at the beginning of the season before, um, when, after all those signings, and I, I said that we're going to finish fourth. And some, most of my lot all said fourth, fifth or sixth. And, and so we, we kind of expected that we would be better, mainly just down to Smith-Rowe, Martinelli and Saka, because to have any Premier League club had one of those young players, you'd go, well, there you go, that's our future, you, like you with Jack Grealish, where he did so much for you. But we've got three of them. And then Party has decided to pull his finger out and have become the player that we bought, even though it's taken him 18 months to get there. Ramsdale is just an absolute legend of a player. He is already a, a massive fan's favourite. And then, so, we no, we didn't expect to be, honestly, in the Champions League place and pushing for third place because hopefully Chelsea will collapse soon because they're having to walk to all their games or, or, or be, see him on the, on the A1, thumbing a lift up north to wherever they're going <laughs> or all trying to jump, jump in a minibus. And so hopefully they'll collapse because Man City and and Man and Liverpool they're gone. No one's catching those. But to be the position we are now, I'm thinking, wow. Even at Christmas, I wouldn't have thought we'd have been here because after that start to the season, I was thinking, oh, you know, in in um, I think in China or Japan, I think three eights are lucky. So eighth position, three seasons in a row. Maybe our next season will be our lucky season. But it seems to be that this season has turned out to be the right one. And it all comes down to getting rid of the players you didn't want and having players at the club that believe the process. Yeah, you made some really interesting points there. Uh, one of them being the team picking itself. Uh, and we'll come back to that 
a bit later on. But you mentioned Callum Chambers, obviously crossing the pond from Arsenal to Villa and, you know, seemingly done very well so far. I think he was brought in mainly as backup to Mings and Konza. But since Konza's suspension, he's come in, he's he's played a brilliant pre-assist, if you like, for for um, Coutinho to lay it off to Douglas Luiz, I think it was, when we beat Southampton 4-0 and then scoring an absolute peach mm. at Leeds. If you could sum him up to the Villa fan base, because obviously we haven't seen much of him yet. What could we expect in the long run from Callum Chambers? What type of player is he and what personality is he? He was one of the fans' favourites at Arsenal. He's much like, you know how we saw Jack Wilshere and we saw Aaron Ramsey and we saw Carl Jenkinson, uh, someone who loved being at Arsenal. We bought him from Southampton as a very young man. And then he came in and he had a season on loan at Middlesbrough which he played most of it at right back. Then they went to playing three at the back because then he moved into defensive midfield. And then he played some games at centre-back and then he had a loan at Fulham. It might have been Fulham then, Middlesbrough, or I can't remember which way round he went. And then at Fulham, again, got relegated with them, but he, I think he was their player of the, his player of the season for either Fulham or, or Middlesbrough. Both teams loved him. He gives everything. I think he might have even have a cap or two playing for England, but I loved to play, like I was saying about um, Gilles Grimandi, Remy Gard and uh, Cedric Suarez you need a player at the club who's happy to play in any position he plays right back brilliantly He's, he can play right back right wing back I mean we've seen sometimes at Arsenal he can be running down that right wing he's a, he's a unit and he gets crosses in and he's got an eye for goal he can play at centre back he can play at defensive midfielder he's homegrown He's a lovely bloke. He's a good-looking chap. He's got a magnificent beard. And he'll give you it all the whole time. And he's never, ever moaned. He had been at Arsenal for maybe seven seasons and never heard him moan, unlike some of these other morons that we have signed. And uh, once they're not in the first team, that you see them out partying or off to Dubai, getting their hair cut or, or doing all this other nonsense. He's a proper pro. He's a player that you can rely on. And when he scores, watching the Villa game, and when he scored that goal, I cheered as loud as any Villa fan because I didn't want him to go. The, the, having him go was completely and utterly pointless. We made nothing out of that. He didn't pay anything for him, did you? His contract was up at the end of the season. And I wanted him to stay. There's other players at the club that should have gone before him because even at the moment, we're playing Suarez at right back. And if, if Gabriel or um, uh, Benny Blanco, if either of those two get injured, we're going to say, well, who are we going to play at centre-back? We, I don't think we've got anyone else other than Big Bob Holding. And Big Bob Holding's often injured. And as another player, Big Bob, we love him as well. We, we love most of our players. It's only the likes of uh, Young and Ozil, and, and Xhaka and a couple of others that are the ones that people still to this day argue about. But what can you expect from him? Dedication, um, reliability, everything. Uh, maybe the odd goal, is, as you've seen, a little bit of flair and, and, and leadership. Uh, I wanted him to be captain at times when he was playing, but it, was he 27 now? 28? 27 like that? You've got four or five years of him and he will give you everything. And I don't like Tyrone Mings. He's, there's two players at your club I can't stand. Tyrone Mings and uh, the bloke in midfield, the Scottish one who always kicks people. John McGinn. Oh, I can't stand him. But if they're playing for Arsenal, I'd love them because yeah, exactly. they get stuck in. But Tyrone Mings, I, I, if we were doing a watch along, that would have been censored. The amount of screaming I was doing at him, you're cheating this, you you your scumbag that, but he's an old school player, which I think you're going to get a little bit of that, an old school English centre-back. And I think Mings and uh, Chambers together, you're going to look at those two as as, as the um, 
the, the mainstay of your team for the next few years. I mean, I don't think Mings has got plans to go anywhere. And uh, now that you've got Gerard there, and uh, until until he goes, I think your your team's going to go places, and you're going to maybe have a decent cup run. Almost definitely going to get into Europe at some point. So it's going to be like the um, the Paul Elliott, Gordon Cowan's Paul Rideout days. It's going to be uh, it's going to be fun being a Villa fan again. Certainly, the type of characters you want to see in your team. Another one of your players that was heavily heavily linked with us in the summer, but didn't quite make that move. Emil Smith Rowe. He's shown this season just how good he can there be. There was no link. There, there was. We made we made some bids. I mean, yeah, how how close it was, I don't think so. There was nothing going to happen. You made bids because your best player was going and you had to go out there, chest puffed out and go, don't worry, lads, we're, buy- we're going to go and buy some big players. <laughs> there was zero chance he was ever coming to you. And there was, uh, I don't like the words banter. There was some lots of piss taking on Twitter between Villa, the official Villa account and, and Arsenal player fans. And it was never going to happen. But, you know, you, you tried to ruffle a few feathers and, it kind of worked for some of the Arsenal fans and you attracted some really good players. You stole a player who was going to come to us, Buendia, was it? Yeah. So, yeah, but it's, it's fun, is it? I don't think Arsenal fans dislike like Villa. I've, I've been to Villa twice, both times FA Cup semi-finals. 98, we won. And then the Man United won a few years later. I was up in the gods. My God, that, that ground isn't windy enough up there, is it? So that, that there's no real hard feeling between Arsenal and, and Villa fan or from Arsenal's end. There's been a lot of grief that I don't like for, for Martinez. Hell of a player. He's one of Arsenal's own. And he was there for one of our longest serving players. And the amount of grief that he gets is I don't like it. And I tell people to shut up when they go on about it. But again, that's just piss taking on Twitter between him and the club and winding people up. But I really like him. I think you've got a hell of a goalkeeper there. But Smith Rowe was never coming. He was never leaving. He's here forever. That's quite funny. I, I don't know whether you can see the notes that I've written down, but you've already no. beaten me to asking you about Emmy <laughs> Martinez. And I was going to ask you about Emil Smith Rowe just quickly. The progress yeah. that he's shown this season, just how how high can he go? What heights can he reach for Arsenal? He is a player of the old school days, socks down, getting on with it. Um, a little bit like Paul Merson, another wonderful player that we shared. Uh, all the skill in the world, but Paul, unfortunately, had things outside of football that ruined his career. But Paul Merson, I was there. I, I started going to Arsenal in 1980, 1987. I went for my 17th birthday. So I was your age when I... Well, I don't know if that's a secret. I don't know if people know. I know you're 30. <laughs> yeah, so for my... It was the 18th of October, 1987. Just eight days after my 17th birthday, I went to my first game and Paul Merson was there and Paul Merson was playing. And immediately you thought wow, this bloke is something special. And the, the, the way that Merson played and the way that Smith Rowe played, they, they can play both footed. They can play left wing, right wing, left midfield, right midfield, central midfield. They can play in the tent. They can play as a striker. Paul Merson was a striker at Arsenal for, for many years because I've, I've got a lot of information about the, the under eight. Or back then, it was the football combination and the reserves. And he was an, a magnificent, him and Kevin Campbell were magnificent goal scorers together. I mean, Kev Campbell once scored 51 goals in a season for our um, for our reserves and youths. Um, and Smith Rowe is just like that. He's an old school player. But luckily, I, I kind of like Jack Wilshire as well. But Jack held on to the ball too long. And we'd be screaming at Jack, get rid of the ball. But he'd always want to be that one last player. And that's how he got. He always got kicked, always got injured. And, and Smith Rowe's like that. And he's had a few injuries. Uh, but the last, last injury he had was COVID. And there's nothing he could have done about that. 
but the ability to play in any position. And plus, he's got his mates there, which is something the Arsenal have missed for so long, is having players on the pitch who represented the fans. I'm born in London. Uh, luckily, I left London when I was three years old because it's an absolute shithole. And we, I now look at those players and go, they're London-born players, they're Arsenal fans, they love the club. And that's what we've missed for so long. We've had these mercenaries come in, players that didn't understand football. I mean, Avenga bought Kalasnic because he was left wing back of the season in the Bundesliga and we didn't play with a left wing back. And you're looking at that going, Wenger, what are you doing? You utter moron. I'd really had enough of Wenger in the last decade of his time there. And so many players were bought or taken in and they didn't fit the mould. And now all the players we've got coming through they can, they're all interchangeable. They've, they all trust the process. They've all got the same thing they want to do and they all trust the manager and they can all see they're getting places. And I, although I'm English, I don't really support England and I haven't given a damn about England since probably 1994 when Terry Venables, Euro, Euro 94. And that was the last time I gave a damn because there's no Arsenal players playing for them. So what, I'm not going to cheer Harry Kane. I'd rather not watch football than cheer Harry Kane. But you look at the players that are coming through from Arsenal that are going to be mainstays in the England team. It's going to be like the old days. Aaron Ramsdale is, is Dave Seaman. Benny Blanco is Tony Adams. Uh, Merson is, is ESR, uh, Smith Rowe. And Rowcastle is going to be like, um, like Saka. And then we've got all these other ones coming through and we've got some really good players on loan. And you look at that and you go, that Arsenal team represents me. They're not a load of foreign, Spanish, Italian, German mercenaries who are here milking the club and don't give a damn and throw their shirt at the crowd or, or, or like Ozil can't play north of the Watford gap and he even does that now for Fenerbahce. He doesn't like playing away games. And these players, they, when they're, even when they're injured, they want to give it their all and they want to play. And that, that warms the cockle. As, as, as a 51-year-old, fat, baldy, beardy bloke, that warms the cockles of my, of my cold, dead heart to see these young men come through and represent me and all the younger fans playing for football. And I think Villa, you're starting to see some of that too. With, with, But you've got a mercenary who's actually doing it, which I didn't want Coutinho at Arsenal because I thought, no, mercenary, we've had enough of that. But he's come through and he is an absolute revelation at your team. It's like you look at um, uh, have him, have him, um, who was it, Everton? The, uh, how, uh, Rodriguez. That's a similar situation. He came there, did nothing, cost a fortune, and they got rid of him. But Gerard has uh, got something special there with Coutinho. And I said to you before the show started, it's not going to be long before you get Grealish back. And imagine Grealish playing for you again. Give him a season or two, sitting on his bum at Man City doing nothing. You make a cheeky £50 million bid getting back because his future isn't at Man City. Drifted off point there, haven't I? <laughs> no, that's good. I like it. It, make, it makes my job a lot easier. Um, <laughs> You mentioned it before about how critical it is for Arsenal to make the most of their games in hand if you want to really kick on for the last back end of this season. Mm. Obviously, Arsenal at the time of recording are playing Liverpool tonight. By the time this is out, everyone will know the result. Um, it, you could argue that Liverpool is obviously a more crucial game in terms of Arsenal's season than it will be for the Villa game at the weekend. Obviously, there's only Thursday, Friday, Saturday, a short gap with Arsenal-Villa being the early kickoff on Saturday. Do you think that you could see some squad rotation from Arsenal? Do you think... Because um, obviously, 
we haven't we haven't really seen that from Arsenal this season. I don't mistake no. me if I'm I'm wrong here, but it doesn't seem as though Arteta is one to make big big changes or you know if if he has something that's not broken then he he won't look to fix it but do you think tired legs could be a play at the weekend how how do you think that one will play out there is no squad rotation because there are no players to rotate uh Bama Young's gone Sambi Lakonga we saw he came in against Liverpool and he was rubbish because he Arteta this is a complaint I've got about Arteta. We all know when we play football manager, you've got all your other players, you've got your best 11, you've got all your other players, and you bring them on 20, 30 minutes to go just to keep them match fit because fitness and match fitness are two completely different things. And we've seen that. Suarez came in his first game or first two games, he was awful. Now he's played five games in a row. He's really good. Lacong had the same problem. First game back, terrible. Next game, he was, he was good, but Arteta isn't doing that. We've seen that he brought Pepe on regularly with five, 10 minutes to go. Players need to be playing more often. Often he doesn't even use all the subs. And and so we've got Tommy Ashu coming back. Um, I'd rather save him for the, the, the game against you. And then outside of that, Big Bob, well, he only ever is going to come on um, if, if we're going to go to playing three at the back, if we need, if, well, if someone gets sent off or, or if we need to... Um, uh, go three at the back because uh, we're going to play a more attacking game with two up front. Elneny, well, he doesn't do anything. And, that, and that's it, Eddie Nketiah. Well, that's that's just that's an absolute pointless uh, move because he doesn't do anything. He's, all he does is stat pad in the League Cup. So there is no squad rotation. There are no players to bring in. We look at the Arsenal bench most games at the moment because we're only playing Premier League games. And out of the seven players on the bench, four or five of them will be youth players. And it's just double barrel surnames as far as the eye can see. But we, I, I, I think the, the Villa game is more important than the, the, the Liverpool game. I'd rather draw, if we had to draw one and win one, I'd rather draw against Liverpool and beat your lot because Liverpool are up and away. It doesn't make any difference. And, and your lot are a decent team. They're hard to play against. And you're in and amongst it below us. And, and so I think it'd be more important to, to get the three points against you. But I think I'd, I, maybe even a draw from both games because you play quite similar attacking, nice football that we do. But I have found over the over the recent years that teams that want to play good football, we do well against, which is why we drew nil-nil with Burnley because Burnley play rubbish football. And the rubbish teams we beat. But if they play rubbish football and they're a rubbish team, we struggle against them. So, But then we're playing against Liverpool who play good football, but they play world-class, immense football. So I, I expect nothing from tonight. But come at the weekend when we're playing you, I don't usually get out of bed until late in the afternoon. I'm having to get up early to do the preview show and it's going to be a good game. Um, so I think uh, we've got two really good games coming back to back. But then we have, I think it's uh, 15, 16 days off and then we have five games in 19 days. And that's worrying. We've been lucky at the moment. We've had almost no injuries. Um, the Tommy Ashley one, the Japanese right back, he did a calf and then he, he recovered from that and then did the other calf. And now he's slowly recovering from that because uh, um, Arteta has an annoying habit of bringing players back too soon. He did it with Party. He did it with, um, he's done it with Bamiyang. And we want to make sure he doesn't do it. I say we want to make sure we have absolutely no say in he doesn't. He, he hasn't rang me once to ask my opinion. I don't know what the hell is going on with it. How oh, rude. Absolutely. I know. Um, I remember when Edgar Davids was manager of Barnet, he'd ring me up all the time. Well, Maybe. Uh, so there's no one to bring on. And Elneny doesn't fit the kind of football that we're playing. 
the only thing we can do is change the formation, maybe uh, move a couple of players around, but we, we have nobody. Um, Pepe is the only player who can do anything and he can play, he's, he's uh, left-footed, but he plays right wing. So he can play both wings. His time at Lille, he had a couple of games playing up front. So we have quite a few players that are, like going back to the football manager again, I like to have two or three players that can play in many positions and the players that aren't playing at the moment they can play in many positions. I mean, even Tommy Ashu can play centre-back if he wants to. He did some of that when he was, um, um, was he Udine? No, Bologna. Uh, so very, very little rotation. He's got his favourites. And until he would get four to five extra players in the summer, then coming in, and it's, it's weird, like Tavares is a really good player. He's, he's a backup left-back uh, Portuguese player but I can see him playing more as a left wing back or maybe even a left winger because he's full of beans and he loves to get forward. But I don't think he can be trusted in in, in, in the big games, but it is annoying that Arteta hasn't these, these players, he isn't giving them time. So when they do finally come in, if we need them, they're not going to be match fit. So if you're listening, Mikel, you want to sort that out, get it done. Exactly. I heard Mikel Arteta is a big fan of the 7500 to Holt uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, looking at the reverse fixture, obviously it was a happy outing at the Emirates. Um, I think Arsenal ran out 3-1 winners in the end, 3-0 up, uh, a consolation goal for Jacob Ramsey, his his first in claret and blue, I think. I mean, I could be wrong. My memory's, my memory's just me. as bad as yours, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> but Look, the first half at the Emirates was was probably Villa's worst first half of the season, worst half of football of the season. We we didn't look up for it. That was towards Dean Smith's end of his tenure. We were that was part of our five game losing run, which ultimately saw him sacked. Um, which which is something that divided the fan base a lot. But I won't get into it too much. Obviously, Steven Gerrard has replaced him, and he's look to bring in his own style his own philosophy to Aston Villa and if from an outsider's point of view it'd be interesting to see how you think the game at the weekend will go now that we have a new manager to worry about rather than if you were playing Dean Smith because Dean Smith obviously other than the 3-1 defeat he managed to beat you twice last season behind closed doors. And then the season before that, I think we beat you 1-0 with Trezeguet scoring, which ultimately kept us in the league. So like like Mikel Arteta, um, if you're watching, thanks for obviously helping <laughs> us avoid relegation. But um, how would you compare a Steven Gerrard team to a Dean Smith team from an Aston Villa perspective, from an outsider's perspective? I think Dean Smith was hard done by because he's he's a good manager. He's he's at Norwich. Is he at Norwich now? Yeah. Um, I think he was hard done by, but it was almost like Dean Smith was was your first proper girlfriend or boyfriend, and and a really really good looking girl, a, so, a solid seven out of ten, eight six or seven out of ten um, girlfriend, and then and then you've got this. Uh, this big boo, big bum uh, bird who's, who's giving you the eye, um, Stephen Gerrard, and you're going, well, bloody hell, that's an eight and a half out of ten. Oh, giving me the eye. Oh, Smith, you're dumped. I've got myself a new girlfriend. And Smith's going to go, oh, oh, but I've got, I've got you promoted. I've got, I've got you playing decent football. I've attracted decent players to the club. And you've gone, nah, sorry, old, old big bum, big boobs over there. That's my, that's my new lover. You can get lost. And now uh, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be, 
Gerard's plaything until he goes to um, goes to back to Liverpool. Yeah, probably that's where they end up going because Kloppo's leaving in at the end of next season. I think he said he's going to go. But I did like Smith, and he's also the bloke who was manager of uh, Sheffield United. I think similarities between the two of you, but both took, got you to the teams promoted, playing half decent football. Uh, and then things went wrong. But I was really glad when um, you beat us at the end of the, um, a couple of seasons ago. And I think that meant Watford go down because I hate Watford. Watford have no place in the Premier League. Their owners have no place owning football clubs. I mean, if you've ever got a spare hour to go, just go and have a look at the, the triangle of doom that is Udinese, Watford, Granada and see the number of players those teams have swapped between them. I think you may well have been a championship side when Watford ended up having about eight or nine players on loan from either Udinese or, or Granada and they cheated the system so bad that they've had to change the rules in the championship for that but I liked Dean Smith I liked what he was doing at Villa I think if you would have kept him as manager you'd probably roughly maybe be about where you are now but you wouldn't have um, oh what's his name Coutinho. you wouldn't have Coutinho at the club he wouldn't be there um, Chambers might not be there because uh, Gerard is a really I keep going to call him that the manager of, um, who was manager of Liverpool, the French bloke. What was his name? Gerard something as well. Gerard Houllier. And I keep going Stephen Gerard rather than Gerard. So if I do that, it's not on purpose. It's my brain letting me down. But I don't think you've drastically changed the way that you play football, though, have you? And Danny Ings is a hell of a player. I really liked him. Was he? I think he made his name at Burnley, went to Liverpool, got massively injured at Liverpool, never played much, then farmed out to Southampton, become their best player. And I love big man, little man football, Alan Smith and Ian Wright, um, Chris Sutton and, and Alan Shearer, or, and, and those kind of things, or, or Everton, it would be Rooney and Big Dunk Ferguson. You've got that now with Ings and Watkins. Um, I think it's taken a little bit of a shine off of Watkins' game because you're not relying on him to do everything. And you've got Ings getting in there and getting it done. But with with I love Louise, you've got there, and Brendia is good, and 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 with Coutinho and McGinn being in there, the mental case that he's going to chop people up. You've got the 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 basis there, you've got the ingredients for a team that's going to do really well. Plus, you've got Mings and Chambers and and Martinez, who is for me one of the best goalkeepers in the league. You just need a little bit of um, which you're gonna see. You'll see a little bit of um, continuity coming at your club, and and you can be excited. I mean, you are probably are excited, but I think you're in a similar position to where Arsenal were a couple of years ago, where you're pushing for the Europa League positions. And if you get in the Europa League, I mean, how long has it been since you're in in Europe? Has it been a while? I can't remember. A long, long time ago. Let's yeah. just, let's just put it that way. Yeah. So I think you can expect European football before Gerard leaves. Um, Maybe the you, the conference the Europa League conference. Hopefully, you're not in that because that's a turd of a competition. But looking at the Premier League now, where are you? I should have had that window open. You are um, you're just behind. Oh, there is a big old gap there, and you've got no no real. You've maybe one game in hand on on Wolves and West Ham. So eighth place, I think, will get you to, um, uh, Europa Conference League. Do you think you're going to do it? I don't. I've 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 mentioned it before that I think mm. this season is too too quick for us obviously we went through a hell of a summer last year with our our record player leaving the player that we base our whole style around having to almost change our whole philosophy now that we can't just give it to Jack and hope that he runs into a player falls over (laughs) win us a free kick (laughs) in a good area and we can score from that um 
you know, we've had a manager sacked, we've had new players come in. There's a there's been a lot of turnover at the club, so I think this season would be would be too quick. However, next season I think would probably be our year if we can yeah. if we can keep Coutinho uh, and sign him on a permanent. I think that would be huge to to boost our chances. But looking at Villa for this weekend, we've got quite a few injury doubts. Uh, I think Chambers. Chambers is to be assessed before the game, as well as Douglas Louise. Uh, Lucas Dina looks to be out for, for three weeks with an injury, so it will probably see Ashley Young slot in there. So <laughs> so we are struggling with injuries at the moment. Um, yeah, looking at... They've, they've got to adapt, I think, this weekend. And you mentioned it yourself. Um, Gerard's been able to get Watkins and Ings firing, which is something that... Ultimately, I believe cost Smith his job in the end because he he referred to it had to be either or because he it just didn't seem to work. But in recent weeks, they've been firing and that's been monumental to our success, really. But if I could get a score prediction for for this weekend from you, what would that be? Um, see, we there's two types of Arsenal that turn up. You've got the attacking Arsenal, and then you're knackered. And then um, I, don't, I don't know if you saw our game against who did we beat recently? So I can't remember the last game we played. Who did Arsenal play? We uh, we won through. Oh, played Leicester for the first half hour of that game. We were attacking and they shit their pants and they didn't know what to do. And then when we were letting them have a little bit more possession towards the end of the first half, I think they had something like seventy or eighty percent possession and they were having chances. But you can't attack for ninety minutes, so it's the it's the um, the transition between attack, all out attack and all out defence. That that drop off of that ten minutes between the two is really hard for Arsenal. And we've also then we've also got the other way that we play is completely defensive football. I mean, Ramsdale at the moment has had twelve clean sheets in the Premier League this season out of twenty three games that he's played, which is unbelievable. That a player is going to be that good so soon. And so if the defensive team turns up and we play to our capabilities there, because now look at um, Xhaka and Party in midfield, are, 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 they're working magnificently together. Yeah, they swapped positions. Party is now the one that plays deeper, breaks up pay and does the long balls. Xhaka is the one we saw against Leicester. Xhaka run through the midfield with the ball and no one's running after him because they thought, well, he has a shot. It's just going to kill someone in Rose Edge. It was almost laughable. So if, if that team turns out, the, the defensive team, then I'd say maybe a nil-nil. But then if if we if you score and then we have to attack, it could be it could be 2-2, it could be 3-2. Either way, you could possibly win it. But either way, I hope the attacking team turns out. I'd rather a 2-2 or 3-3 or a 3-2 either way than, than a boring nil-nil because there's so many exciting, creative, goal-scoring, entertaining players for both sides. That it's, a, it's going to be a really interesting game to watch. But talking about what you were saying about Villa, I'm, I can't believe you lost to Newcastle. You should have beaten Newcastle. You should have beaten Watford. And I think West Ham are a similar kind of team to you. So maybe you should have got a draw there. So if you'd have got those extra seven points, then you'd be right on the tail of, of Spurs. So that's what you, you can be encouraged by all of that lot and close games. But it depends on how badly Newcastle ruin the league next season by buying everybody. I mean, they might even buy your club and shut it down and use it as a training ground and steal all your players or buy all the other clubs, buy all the other 19 clubs and they'll win the league because they've got more money than sense. But it's an interesting time for both of our teams. I think there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, definitely. And if it helps build your hopes up, Villa are, are yet to have a nil-nil this season. Um, 
just before I let you go and get back on with your day, I always ask the person that I'm interviewing a non-football related question, which is uh, brought on from the previous week. And after you've answered it, I'll I'll get you to ask a question to our next person that we have on, which our next home game is against Spurs. So that could be that could be quite tasty. But the one the one for you this week is there's a there's been a big debate going around over whether there is more wheels in the world or whether there is more doors. And yeah. I would like to hear your input on this. It's very simple. It's wheels. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Infinite more number of wheels, wheels in clocks, wheels in um, watches, wheels on dials, wheels. I mean, I was counting in my house. I have 36 doors and but I've got two cars. And uh, I've got more doors and wheels I own, but that's before I start taking things apart. I've got a couple of watches, um, but I think if you take things apart, there's more door. But actually, I forgot I've got two cat flaps. Do they count as doors? Maybe I've got 38 Ooh, doors in there. Does the that house. count as a door? Uh, how about a drawer? No, a drawer. <laughs> yeah. So Are you sitting on the fence more. with this one? No, definitely more um, uh, wheels. Wheels, yeah. Um, a huge amount more. Brilliant. Yeah, more wheels, yeah. Once you start taking, you you can take your your Xbox or your PlayStation apart. There's loads of little <laughs> wheels and cogs inside there. There's yeah, no exactly. doors in there is, is there. Is a cog a wheel? Well, it's round. Oh, well, yeah. So anything that's round is is a wheel. Yeah. Biscuits could use. You could if you want. If you were making a uh, if you're making a, a cake, wagon wheel, some wheel wagon wheels. You could use wagon wheels on a cake if you're making a chariot for some kids, <laughs> or you could use um, uh, digestive biscuits. It, it's never ending. Wheels within wheels brilliant thanks for that and and your question for 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 our Spurs fan in a few weeks um how many times have you won the league at your ground compared to us <laughs> and a non-football related one yeah I didn't think I'd get away with that one <laughs> um what is the weirdest sandwich you like like brilliant. my one would be marmite and cheese oh I don't like marmite mm, and maybe with cheese and onion crisps in it oh Dirty, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And that concludes today's episode. A massive thank you to Danny for providing his time, insight and opinions into this weekend's game. If you want to check out Danny's podcast, it's at the AFC podcast on Twitter. Make sure to go drop him a follow, a like for his time, which is greatly appreciated. And while you're there, make sure to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Like the podcast, interact with the podcast. We love to hear your guys' opinions and up the villa. being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you